Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. And, and you can be seated. Well, again, the first time we've been able to meet inside, and I'm excited about it. I can hear myself. I can see faces. Uh, so if I say something you don't like, I can read that too, just so you know. If I say something fun, you all respond. And so we, we land in the same place, and it makes it more real. God has been good to us meeting outside in the drive-in, but this is better. And this is going to continue to grow as people become more comfortable. I say that. It may decline next week. Who knows what the news and our politicians are going to say will be our prescription for next week. But we'll just move forward. Uh, however they give us guidelines. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about heaven. Now we've been tracking through the gospel according to John and we landed in 14 and Jesus said these incredible words. He says, believe in me, believe also in the father. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come and take you unto myself. And so he told us this incredible hint about something he was going to build, something he is preparing. And uh, I, I, I know it's got to be great because Jesus created everything in six literal days, I believe six 24-hour days. And yet he's been in heaven for 2,000 years. So it's going to be absolutely amazing beyond anything we can imagine. And so I paused right there in John 14 because in the middle of this darkness, I just want to encourage the believer and I want to encourage the unbeliever that God has made a way <clears throat> and a place that is outside of the realm of this reality. Something that is deeper and richer and fuller and greater. And it's called heaven. And so it, as believers, we can have hope in that. We can, we can look forward to that. And, and, and the enemy, Satan himself, he can't steal heaven, but he can steal our joy and our anticipation, and our excitement about spending forever in the presence of God in a place that just magnifies the greatness of His creative abilities called heaven. And, and so I want us to, I wanted the church, I wanted me, I wanted all of us to be reminded of what an amazing place He is preparing for us called heaven. So the first week of that, we, we, we found and dug in that heaven is a big deal. It's just a big deal. It's bigger than we understand. And, and we looked to Revelation 20, 21, and 22, and we saw how big the new heaven will be. The new heaven will be 14, approximately 1,400 miles in three dimensions, a cube called heaven. Imagine that. 1,400 miles. We talked about that's how many people it could host 20 billion people, each person having 75 acres. It's enormous. And it says that, God, that the new heaven will descend down to the earth, God with us. And so we talked about the bigness of heaven is heaven, the air we breathe. Heaven is the real estate for the stars. Heaven is the home, the, the abode of God. So it's huge. And yet one day they will merge and heaven, the new heaven will come down and join a new earth. We talked about, secondly, that heaven is a real place. When Jesus was speaking that he was going to prepare a place, he's a real man, speaking to real men, speaking with a real mouth, being heard by real ears, standing at a real place, talking about a real place. Because some people want to argue that heaven is a state of mind. Jesus didn't have to go prepare a state of mind. He's preparing a place. That's the word, his word, uses. And so today we're going to move out of John for a day. 
And we're going to go over to Luke chapter 16. So you can find that in your Bible or on your device, uh, Luke chapter 16. Now, as we get there, as, as we're talking about heaven, I, wanna, I want you to discover, I want you to begin to think about some things that come up from time to time that often we don't give it enough thought to, to establish a position. And one of those is, is in our culture, we often hear of people having an encounter with heaven or hell some eternal place, and they call it an NDE. There's actually an organization that studies. It's a funded organization that studies NDEs, near-death experiences. And we've heard about them, 23 minutes in hell. Heaven is for real. On and on and on. People have had these encounters. Now, what they look like usually is this. I was in the hospital or I was in a car wreck or I, had a, I was almost dead and yet my body was transported out of this earth and into the presence of, of either hell or heaven. And, and then they, but for some reason, they got to come back. And when they got back, they wrote about it, okay? And, and so often people will tell me stories that they read or stories that they heard like that. And so then they ask this magic question to the preacher. Do you believe that stuff's real? The word believe is not the right word. Sometimes I might accept what they say, but, but I don't believe what they said because my belief system, I have a biblical worldview. So anything I believe, I try to run it through the litmus, through, the, through this filter. And if it comes out on the other side, agreeing with what I have from God's forever counsel, then I will believe it. It is a belief system. Now, when somebody says they saw something or experienced something, I can take what they say, put it alongside this book. And if it aligns, parallels perfectly with this book, I will accept it. But it doesn't change my belief system. Does that make sense? So, so that's the world we live in. Now, do I believe that people have seen heaven? Yes. Do I believe people have gone to heaven, lived to tell about it, and wrote about it? Well, in fact, I do. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 about going to the third heaven. And he's so bashful about it that he says, I know a guy. <laughs> That's what he says. He said, I know a guy, and he went to the third heaven. And he saw these amazing, magnificent things, so great, I, I can't even talk about it. He, he just said he went. He doesn't describe what he saw. I also believe that John the Revelator, who wrote the book of the Revelation, was on the, the, the rocky island called Patmos. And from chapters 4... To chapter 22, I believe that John went to heaven and wrote the future that he saw painted in heaven. He, he, he wrote about what heaven looks like. He wrote about what the throne looks like. He wrote about the, the sounds of heaven. He wrote about the future. I believe he went to heaven. And there's others. Uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jairus's daughter raised from the dead. Jesus raised from the dead. And yet these men who died and came back, they didn't tell what they saw in heaven. So in between real life experiences of Paul and John, they wrote. Then you have the ones who actually died, a real death experience, they didn't write about it. And then somehow you have these guys or ladies that kind of caught in the middle, near death, I wasn't really dead, wasn't really alive, a near death experience. So we have to be very very cautious. So with that, let me tell you a story for, about me. Last Sunday morning, 6 o'clock a.m., I was scheduled to take Juliana to her first piano lesson last Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Now, she's not two yet, but she was taking her first piano lesson. 
And so I knew I needed to get there early, so I, I, I got her at 5.50, and I went to where her piano lessons are, which are on West Norse Road in Norse, Tennessee. Now, on West Norse Road, I can take you right to the house and show it to you, they have a tutoring a facility. A lady opened up this school. She does tutoring and she also does special classes for gifted kids. And upstairs in this house, she, uh, she hosts piano lessons. Now, I don't know why she put the piano upstairs. The last thing you want to do is carry a piano upstairs. But I was supposed to be there at six o'clock, have her there at six o'clock a.m. And I know it sounds absurd. So I took her up to the, to the building and went in and I started up the stairs and halfway up the stairs, the stairs weren't complete. They had a ladder to get to the piano lesson. And now I'm wondering, it's, it's almost six. I'm supposed to be there at six o'clock. And so I managed to get Juliana kind of tucked in one arm, climbed the ladder, and I was almost having her there on time at 6 a.m. when Kendra woke me up. I'm telling you the truth. That's a real story. And it was, it was as real as I'm standing right here. You know what I said to Kendra when she woke me up? You can ask her. I said, we're going to have to reschedule Juliana's piano lesson. She said, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was like, uh, we, uh, never mind. It, I was there. I can take you to the house, okay? Now, it was real, and I could write that story, and, 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 and you would be convinced that on West Norris Road, which is a real road, in Norris, Tennessee, which is a real place, there's a lady who has a school with a piano upstairs, and you've got to climb a ladder to get a lesson, right? I, that's how real it was to me. And sometimes those near-death experiences may be just that. A dream, maybe a moment, maybe they're, it's just not, everything's not firing on all cylinders. But sometimes people do have visions and experiences. And if they align with this book, then we can accept them. We just need to be careful not to believe. So we've talked about heaven is a big deal. We've talked about heaven is a real place. Today we're going to talk about heaven is a choice away. Heaven is a choice away. I want you to tell the person sitting next to you or six or eight feet apart. Uh, heaven is a choice away. Go ahead and tell them. And so if heaven is a real place and it's a big deal and it's a choice away, there's a question that begs to be asked. And it's this. Uh, so where is it? Right? If it's a real place and it's a big deal and, uh, and it's... A choice away, where is it? And the answer is very, very simple. The biblical answer is astonishingly simple. You ready for this? Heaven is up. That, that's what the Bible says. From start to finish, heaven is always up. And the alternative eternal destination is always down. Hell is always down. Heaven's always up. Always, always, always in the Bible. There is no mud. There is no fog. Completely clear. Heaven always up. And hell is always down. So we can just move on, right? Because that's easy. But wait a minute. If heaven is up and hell is down, which way is which? Because the world is round. You get that? What's up for me is not up for my little Chinese friends down under. Okay? Because not only that, not only is this thing a globe once thought to be a plane, once thought to be flat, it's a globe. Up and down depends. It's relative to where you are. I'm going to amplify that and magnify that just to blow your mind about how difficult it is to say heaven is up and hell is down. Up as a direction is relative to where you are on this sphere of a planet we call Earth. This planet is humming around right now, spinning in a circle. 
It has a 25,000 mile circumference and it spins around once every 24 hours. So right now we're spinning at just a little over 1,000 miles per hour. It's incredible, and we're hanging on for, that's why my hair sticks up. You know, when you get up in the morning, it's why your hair's sticking up. You know, you're flying through space at 1,000 plus miles per hour. Not only that, we're spinning, or, or while we're spinning, we are orbiting the sun. And, and orbiting the sun, we're moving at 67,000 miles per hour. That's why it takes 365 days to get around the sun. Not only that, our, our solar system, the Milky Way, is moving through outer space, listen to this, at 450,000 miles per hour. And so you put all that in the cauldron, stir it up, boil it down, and you come up with this simple truth. Heaven is still up and hell is still down. But how? With all of that confusion, how can it be that simple? Because God said heaven is up and hell is down. But we live in a world that wants to think logically. We live in a world that wants to understand and dissect and put an exclamation point on it that says, I got this. So how do you go with that? How do you get, make sense of that? Sometimes we just need to set, step back, open up this book, and read things like this. One day the new heaven, which is a 1,400-mile cube, will descend from the third heaven now through the second heaven, which is the real estate of the stars, into our heaven, the air we breathe. And it will either levitate or connect with a brand new earth, Revelation 20 through 22. A brand new earth created like it was before the fall of man. And, and, and they will be together. And we, as the, his eternal bride, will have access into our heavenly home and we'll be able to leave through gates and experience a brand new earth. That's what, the, that's what Revelation says. You may be, that may be taboo for you. You may stay away from Revelation. Well, you're going to miss some cool stuff, okay? Because he's telling us what that next life is going to be like. And, and, and so sometimes we got to drop back and say, how's heaven up? Okay, when we're standing on the new earth, our new 1,400-mile cube residence, heaven, is up. It's right there. And maybe at that point, now this is conjecture. I'll own it. This is not in Scripture. But maybe he makes the globe a plane. Maybe it's a disk at that point and heaven's underneath. Maybe he cast hell into a black hole in outer space. We don't know. But when God says something, he says what he means. He means what he says. Heaven is up. Hell is down. Tell your neighbor that. You're not convinced. Okay, now let's talk a little bit more about this exciting topic called hell. And I'll explain to you at the end why hell is an exciting topic. I, I want to convince you at the end of the message that hell is a really good thing to know about. And a really good thing to ponder about sometimes. And I'll explain why. There's some good reasons at the end. But we need to know when we talk about hell, what are we talking about? In the Old Testament, it's referred to as Sheol. In, in the New Testament, it's referred to as Hades. Now, Sheol and Hades are temporary residences for the unjudged dead. You see, at the end, when God casts everything, when he starts all over again, uh, he judges everybody, the lost that are dead. Those separated from Christ will be judged because in Revelation it says they want to be judged based on their deeds and they'll stand there proudly and say, check my books. I did more good than I did bad. And Jesus, Judge Jesus will say, yeah, we've got something for you. And they got a place called hell. But until they're judged, they're in a holding place called 
Hades, or in the Old Testament, Sheol. Now, when we look up the word hell, and we look up some of the adjectives that the Holy Spirit has chosen to use to describe hell, these are some of the words we get. This will warm you up, <laughs> no pun intended. Up fire and brimstone, furnace of fire, judgment by fire, fiery oven, lake of fire, eternal punishment, pits of darkness, flames of fire, burning wind, unquenchable fire, and judgment by fire. That'll warm you up, okay? Really really bad. So hell is a terrible place. We live in a culture, a church world culture, they don't want to talk about the sacrifice, the bloody brutal sacrifice of Jesus on a cross. They, they don't want to talk about the fact that God's own son had to die on a cross for the sins of us, every single one of us, our sin. That's why he was nailed to a tree. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about eternal judgment. We don't want to talk about wrath. We all want to embrace this happy, lovey-dovey Jesus. And don't get me wrong, Jesus has that. He is a, he's got a happy, lovey-dovey side, but he has a wrathful side. And hell is part of that side of his program. Now, you may remember over time, if you went during your school days, or maybe just watching something on TV, you might have seen a figure doing this. Anybody ever seen this figure like this? He's called the thinking man. He's a statue that's been erected in, on several academic locations around the world. But he's out of context. Most people just think, see him and say, he's a thinking man. We need to be thinkers. We need to develop the gray matter, right? Learn more stuff. The thinking man was a sculpture created by a sculptor in reference to a 14th century poem slash drama by Dante called The Divine Comedy. And in The Divine Comedy, he is describing a person's uh, journey through hell. And, and so this sculptor created this sculpture of all of these people suffering in hell. And then you got the thinking man standing over it, pondering the significance, the magnitude of all of these people spending an absolute eternity in torment. That's what he's thinking about. He's not thinking about, I need a new biology book. He's not thinking about, I need Calc 3. He's thinking about what a tragedy that there's a mass of people who are spending a foreverness separated from God in this place called hell. In the poem, above the door or the gate going into the inferno, which is Italian for hell, this is the inscription. Through me you pass into the grievous city. Through me you pass into eternal pain. Through me you pass among the lost people. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. I mean, it is really a dismal picture. And yet he paints the reality that it, that it is. We like to sugarcoat it. And, and you'll hear, as I've shared in a couple of those messages, country songs or rock songs where hell don't sound that bad of a place to go. Okay? Trust me. It is a really bad place to go. Jesus warned us. He talked more about hell than heaven. It's a bad place to go. And I'm here to tell you and show you it's a choice away. That's where it is. The Bible talks much about our two potential eternal destinies. Heaven up, hell, down. Almost 13% of everything Jesus said references hell. And so the greatest story probably that paints a picture 
of hell is found in Luke chapter 16. And that's where we're going to look today in verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple, fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Pause. This story, somewhat would suggest, is a parable. It's just a, a fictitious story about something that could possibly happen. And yet, Jesus has chosen in this story to give a man a name, Lazarus. Jesus is talking about real people. Jesus is talking about a real reality. Jesus is talking about this. He's trying to paint a tangible view of heaven and hell. And so he doesn't spend a lot of time on heaven, but he devotes a lot of time on hell. In fact, to the heaven side, he says this, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Angels always represent God's presence, always represent that which is in heaven. Fallen angels, otherwise, they're demons. But, but real angels, they represent heaven, they represent the presence of God. And these angels serve as the uber service, if you will, to get Lazarus into his new place. And his new place is where? Abraham's side. It's in heaven. You say, why would you believe Abraham's side is in heaven? Because Jesus is speaking to Jews. And the patriarch, the, the, the poster child of the Old Testament who believed in a coming Messiah. The Old Testament picture of what faithfulness to God looked like was none other than Abraham. And so he's telling them when, when the beggar died, angels came and got him and took him to where Abraham is, which is in heaven. Now, that's all he says, really about this but now he devotes several verses to the rich man to the to the man who has never made the right choice about his eternal reservation and so in the next several verses i want you to see what jesus says about a reservation a choice that's been made to spend eternity separated from god i want you to see what a reservation in hell looks like the first point I want you to see is you get a room with a view. A room with a view sounds good, doesn't it? Listen to his view. It says in verse 24b into 20, excuse me, 22b into 23. He says, the rich man now also died and was buried. Okay, so far so good. This is what a lot of people want to believe. When this life is over, we just, it, we move into a land of oblivion. We, we, we move into a land of nothingness. We just disappear. They just put us in the ground. We become worm food and all is over. Totally, 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 totally not what God says that happens to our body and our soul. And so this man, is, is, he died and he's buried. Now in 23 it says, in Hades, hell, where he was in torment, he looked up. He had a view and he saw Abraham. Where's Abraham in heaven? He could see heaven from where he is far away. And he sees that Lazarus, the beggar that has laid by his side, the beggar who has begged for crumbs to eat, the beggar who has been sick and hurting, he sees him in heaven at the side of Abraham. 
Now, if Kendra and I or our family's going on vacation and, and we're going to get a room, it's nice to have a room with a view. A, 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 a little while back, we went to Orange Beach. I would encourage you to go to Orange Beach. Beautiful beach, beautiful sand, beautiful ocean. But when we were looking for a room for our whole family to stay in, we, I wanted to look at, the, if I'm driving down there spending two, $3,000, I want to see the ocean. I don't want to have to walk down the street, you know, catch an Uber, drag my float, my chair. I want to look out, see it. I want to walk down the steps and walk out and get on it, okay? And if I had to mortgage or finance something, I got, I'm going to do it, okay? I don't want to be inland. I, I'm inland in Tennessee. I want to be at the ocean. And so we want a room with a view. We want to be able to go out there and see the ocean and, and, and the sand. And We like watching people who didn't wear sunscreen and they're cherry red, look like a lobster. We like watching all that. We take in all the sights. It's a room with a view. Hell, a room in hell has a room with a view, but it ain't the ocean, okay? It is a view of what they missed by not making the right choice of reservation for their eternal destination. He sees what he could have had, and yet he can't have it. And so he has a room with a view. <clears throat> Number two, I want you to see that a, a reservation in hell, that room has no room service. No room service. Verse 24 now says, So he, rich man called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Now remember in the previous verse it says immediately he found himself in torment. This, this, this burning, remember all those, those pleasant warming words? That, that begins immediately when you leave this place. And the Bible says for a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For a non-believer to be absent from the body is to be present in our, in our suffering. And, and so, so he says if, if you'll just have Lazarus dip his finger in the water, and just give me a drop. Now, I'm just going to ask you something. When is the last time you were thirsty enough, uh, uh, unsatisfied enough, that you thought for a second a drop on the tip of a beggar's finger would help you in some way? It's bad. It's a bad, bad place. And he is bad, bad thirsty that he would think a drop. Let me just tell you what it looks like for me. If I go work in the garden or I go cut the grass or I come over here and hang out on the construction site while these guys are building, <clears throat> I got to have something to drink. Let me tell you what I've never done. I have never, ever, ever went in there and stuck my finger in the faucet and go, whoo, man, does that make me feel better? No, I'm, going, I'm sucking bottles of water down, Gatorade, whatever I can get my hands on. All right. And yet it is so bad. He, he thinks if I could just get a drop from the tip of Lazarus's finger, I might somehow for just a fraction of a moment find, find hope and peace and comfort from this torment that I'm in. Number three, I want you to see a, reser a reserved room in hell is a smoking room. Now, we don't live in as much of a smoking culture as we used to. I remember growing up, you'd go to church on Sunday and all the deacons out front. Hey, good to see you today. You know, anybody raised in that church? If you're my age, you were. Okay. And it was cool. Nobody thought about it, you know. Um, and then it changed. You, people would smoke on airplanes. You're going up into space. Smoking cigarettes, okay? And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I'm not judging people smoke. That's a terrible habit to, to start, terrible habit to quit, and expensive, but whatever. But 
in hell, they're all smoking rooms. Now, what that may, what, that's what the, this is what that looks like. If you don't smoke and you're making reservations, you get a non-smoking room. If, you, if that's real for you, say amen. And if they say, oh, yeah, it's non-smoking. And what they've done is went in there and fogged it with some orange juice, you know. And, and you go in there and it smells like orange juice and smoke all rolled up one hits you in the face. You're going right back down to that desk. And you're going to say, that's not a non-smoking room. Oh, yeah, it's a non-smoking room. Well, we, we purified it. No, it's a smoking room. It hit me in the face. I may have got cancer. Okay? That's the way you feel about it. Now, if you're a smoker, you don't even know you're in a smoking room because you're desensitized to that. Well, in hell, listen, they're all smoking rooms. Here's how I know. It says, <clears throat> second half of 24, it says, because I am in agony in this fire. This is, but Abraham replied, son, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Now, I don't have time to go into all the verses. Chock full of verses about what hell is like. Flesh that burns, and yet it's not consumed. Worms and maggots that consume flesh, and yet the flesh never goes away. It regenerates itself somehow. The smell of death and sulfur everywhere. Every room, every reservation in hell has the same smell and the same experience. And that's what it sounds like and looks like. Number four, I want you to see, there is no late checkout. You know, sometimes you go somewhere, if you're at the beach, you say, well, we're thinking about going to the beach on that last day, Friday. Uh, do you have a late checkout? Normal checkout's at 10 o'clock. One o'clock, we'll let you stay to one o'clock. You can get your bags out by one o'clock, you'll be fine. You ask for a late checkout. In hell, there is no late checkout. In fact, there is no checkout. And, and some of you, my age, well, let me read verse 26. It says, and besides all of this, <laughs> besides all this we just talked about, he says, between us and you, there is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Once you are there, you are there. There is no changing reservations. There is no modify. There is no upgrade. And there is no late checkout. Back in the day, there was a band called the Eagles. And you'll remember the song, Hotel California. Now, they weren't Christian, but they talked about this place. And in the last verse, they say, they said these words. And it's true about hell. It says, relax, said the night man. We are programmed to receive. You can check out any time you like. What's the last line? But you can never leave. You can check out all you want to, but you ain't going anywhere. And that's the way it is with a reservation in hell. That When heaven, meanwhile, stands one choice away. So there's, there's this huge impassable chasm between heaven up and hell down. I want you to see lastly, or number six, that there's no messaging. There's no messaging between these two places. It says in verse 29, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. If you don't believe on this earth, you don't have a chance to believe when you leave this earth. And, and, and we live in a world of communication. 
as when I was in business, you would, and the internet was really coming alive, you'd ask me, you have internet service? Yeah. And then it went to, you have Wi-Fi? What's the speed of your Wi-Fi? Now you check in, most of us, whether we're in business or not, we take our phones, we take our computers, and we say, what's your Wi-Fi? Password? I mean, we want to be connected to the other side. We want to communicate. Well, in hell, there is no high-speed internet. There is no Wi-Fi. There is no phone service. There is no UPS. There is no way to warn others um, about this place and how bad it is. And so there it is, and it's just one choice away. So heaven is a big deal. It's a real place. And hell, hell is a choice away. But the choice has to be made. I was talking with somebody the other day, and the, the, the thought was that they were born a Christian. Are you going to heaven when you die? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. When did you get saved? I was born saved. Let me clear something up right now. <laughs> Nobody is born saved. Everybody is born lost in darkness, separated under a curse called sin and death. It transferred through the DNA since Adam and Eve. Nobody's born saved. It's a, it's a hard notion. It's a scary thought that we're born with a pre-standing reservation. And our reservation at birth and through our life is in hell, not in heaven. And it's not God's fault. It's our sinful fault. The fact that we sinned, that's why he had to make our reservation for that place. But then along the journey, we hear the gospel. And we have the opportunity to make a choice to change our reservation. We move our reservation from a room in hell to a room in heaven with one choice. The choice to accept God's way to go into heaven, which is Jesus, God's son. Now, now let, me, let me put something out there here because sometimes I get this question. So wait a minute. Now you said we're born going to hell. That's true. And you said that unless you place your faith in Jesus and repent of your sins, you'll never get into heaven. I'm, I'm not saying that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but my being. What do you do with aborted babies? That's a good one. Okay? Because they're conceived in sin. It's in their DNA. It's already there. God, I believe God is a gracious God. I believe He handles that. I believe they, they're, 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 they have a sin curse. I believe God provides grace. For those babies, every single one of them. Now, I'd like to show you in the Bible 25 verses that, that, that point to that. But I can only tell you about one story, really. Two stories. One, when Jesus was speaking, they said, uh, get the children away. You know, this is adult swim. Let's get the kids out of here. He's talking to us. And Jesus said, you let the children come to me. Such is the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty big. Number two, David, in his adultery with Bathsheba, had a son. His son got deathly ill. He fasted, he mourned, and he prayed. And the baby still died. And when the baby died, he told his servants, he said, bring us something to eat. And one of his servants asked David, he said, listen, while your son was sick, you fasted, you mourned, and you prayed. But now that he's dead, you're saying, bring on the food and the wine. And David said these incredible words. And David had a keen awareness of stuff with God that's, that we won't have. And David said this, he can't come to where I am, but one day I'll go to where he is. See, he saw 
the fact that God takes care of babies, and that's all I've got. But I'm telling you this, in Scripture, we are born with a sin curse that will land us in a place called hell. Matthew chapter 7 is alarming. This is Jesus speaking. This is what he said in verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the way is spacious that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life and there are few who find it. You know what Jesus just dropped the bomb and said right there? Most people are going to hell. That's hard. You, don't, you didn't even like hearing that, did you? Because we like to think everybody's going to heaven, man. It's going to be a happy reunion. Everybody's going. That's universalism, and it ain't true. Jesus said most people will not go to heaven, but it's not his fault. Because the whole time they were on this earth, they were one choice away from changing that eternal reservation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, I heard you at the acceptable time. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. He said, look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. Joshua chapter 24, 15 says, and, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we have made that choice and we are going to serve the Lord. Heaven and hell are our only two options for eternal destiny. And our reservation is made by a choice. We choose to stay in the condition we're born in outside of Jesus. Or we choose to surrender to Jesus and change our eternal reservation. You see, heaven is real. Heaven is big. Heaven is a choice away. Hell is real. Hell is big and Hell is a choice away. And suspended between these two eternal destinies floats this little rock called earth. The place where we make a choice where we'll spend our eternity. Now, no matter where we are in our journey, we have to make a decision what we do with Jesus. He's the only way. I want you to know that. Jesus is the only way. Christ, the Christian community, sometimes in this world of intolerance, don't even like to say that. Jesus said it. It's true. It can't not be true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It sounds kind of like Jesus was saying he is the only way to get to heaven, right? It sounds that way because that's what he's saying. Yet we live in a world that wants to say, I believe there's many ways to heaven. I heard somebody one day and they said, you know, it's kind of like if I want to go to Walmart, you know. I can get, there's several ways to Walmart. And, and I'll paint it this way, it's true. If I want to leave this church, 904 Dry Gap Pike, and go to Walmart and Halls, 
I can jump on Drygat Pike. I can run down here and jump on Cunningham. Run over to Manorville Highway, go up and hit 441. Bam, I'm right there at Walmart. Or I can leave this 904 Drygat Pike location. I can shoot over here to, uh, to, to go through Daney. I can jump on Central Avenue over to, uh, over to um, Emory Road, take a right, and go out Emory Road. Bam, Walmart right there on the left. Or if it's a good, beautiful day, maybe the leaves are changing, I can take a more scenic route. I can get on the interstate. I can go across the ridge, get off at the Clinton exit. I can take 441 all the way out there. It takes me to Walmart. It's wonderful. There's a lot of ways to get to Walmart. But listen to me. I got, I got some hard truth to tell you. When I die, I ain't going to Walmart. Okay? I'm going to heaven or I'm going to hell. And the only way I'm going to heaven is through Jesus. And it's that simple. God knew who he created. He knew the fragility and the fickleness of our mind. He knew what we were capable of processing, and so he said, I'm going to keep it easy. There's one way to get out of earth, listen, alive, and his name is Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we finish. Maybe you're here today, and you've maybe had some form of religion. Maybe you've attended church. Maybe said a prayer. Maybe you've thought about Christianity, but just, you know, didn't know what to do with it. I would not be a good preacher or pastor or friend if I didn't tell you today, Jesus loves you right where you are, right how you are, right who you are. He loves you so much that he laid himself on a cross and bled to death to pay for your sin debt. That's really good news. But he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead, demonstrating he holds the key to death, hell, and the grave. And I want you to know if you're outside of Jesus, your reservation is not a pleasant reservation. But you're one choice away from a reservation waiting for you in the presence of God in a place called heaven. And that choice is when we say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve what I have coming. But I've heard this good news that you, God, wrapped yourself in skin, came to this earth and died on a cross to pay my sin debt. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want Jesus to forgive my sin. I, I repent of all I've done. I, don't only, I not only want Jesus to save me, I want Jesus from this moment on to be the ruler of my life. I want him to be the king and the master and the Lord of this life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me live for you from this day forward. I will be honored to call you my savior and king. If you would simply hear my prayer, forgive my sin, save me and make me your own. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I believe you just saved me forevermore. The choice has been made in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, many of us in here are already believers and we've got that fixed. There may be others who just prayed that prayer and need to pray that prayer. I want to encourage you. Don't let that 
moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Don't let that go unnoticed. Don't let that be quenched by the enemy. You talk to somebody about that. You call the church, come talk to me about that. And I'll help you with that decision moving forward because you're in a brand new journey with the God who created you. And your reservation has been remade from hell to heaven because you made the right choice. I want you to stand and we're going to sing. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.